The Politocrat is brought to you by the great people at Anchor. Anchor is such a great place to go if you want to get started in podcasting. And it's easy and it's free. Anchor, marvelous stuff, marvelous. And I'm so grateful to the folks at Anchor for getting me going with The Politocrat. If you want to get going and be heard on Apple, on Spotify and everywhere podcasts can be, Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to another edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Monday, April the 6th, 2020. And you just heard from the Eurythmics featuring Annie Lennox. And of course, the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. Sisters are doing it for themselves is the title of that tune. And that is I think the theme of today's episode and I just want to talk about female leadership versus male leadership although the premise is not necessarily about who is better in terms of leading in crises. I I happen to think that Men are not as good at leading in crisis situations as women are. Now, of course, there's plenty of examples in world history that show us that there are men who have led very well in in crises. And we, we can look at those, right? We can look back at the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis and JFK. We, we can talk about what happened during World War II and FDR's leadership. And we can talk about the Great Depression and FDR helping Americans with incredible packages economically to revive the economy and revive the living standards of many millions of Americans who had suffered greatly under the Great Republican Depression of the 1920s and 30s. So those are some examples here in the United States. And I can point to Winston Churchill, of course, during World War II in the UK. So there are, of course, lots of examples of it. But what I am saying is that the approach that not every woman, but some women bring is a more holistic cooperative approach that is all about let's get this thing taken care of and done. Let's get this situation resolved. Not about puffing out their chests and beating their chests. That is not the way that 
women that I have seen in politics or in leadership do things. Now, I had a conversation with someone yesterday about this issue. And she and I both agreed that women, generally speaking, do better jobs in leadership, in politics, and certainly would be better in these crises. Now, look, there are governors, and I want to point to governors now in the United States who are female, who are not doing, I think, a particularly good job. But that really goes beyond gender because that's also about ideology. That is about the political party metrics. That is about the way that resources are allocated. So it's systemic as well. It's not about male or female or gender. You know, really, I mean, I would say that gender is something in terms of the way that leadership gets calibrated and what the approaches are. I think gender does play a role in that. But it is not the sole determining factor. I seem to be arguing against myself here. But if you look at the governors in the United States, for example, in fact, here's some background, first of all. The first female governor in the United States was Carolyn Shelton. And... In fact, she wasn't even really the governor per se. She was made acting governor of Oregon for one weekend in 1909. And the outgoing male secretary was leaving because he had the male governor, excuse me, was leaving because he was heading to the U.S. Senate. He had won the se uh, his seat in the Senate and so he was leaving a little early from his governorship in Oregon. And he put his secretary, Carolyn Shelton, in charge for one weekend, one weekend in 1909. And that was as the acting governor. Now, there was, in 1924, an acting governor of New Mexico, and her name was Soledad Chavez de Chacon. And she had been deputized and promoted to governor in 1924 for two weeks. That's an improvement over two days, two whole weeks, two whole weeks as governor of the state of New Mexico. And that was because the male governor at the time of that state in New Mexico decided that he wanted to attend the Democratic National Convention in New York. So for the two weeks that he was out there, he had promoted Soledad Chavez de Chacon from acting governor to governor. So you really could say that the first person to be given full governor duties, who was female, was Soledad Chavez de Chacon. And New Mexico has had quite a good history of having female governors. 
Now, there are nine female governors at present. None of them are black. None of them. There has never been a black female governor in the United States, ever. The closest that we have come to that was back in 2018 in Georgia. Stacey Adams in a close, close race with Brian Kemp should have won and should have become the first black female governor in the United States. But because Brian Kemp, who at the time was the Secretary of State of Georgia, running for governor of the same state that he is Secretary of State for, you can obviously draw the conclusions Voter suppression from his office as Secretary of State to help him to the governorship, to help him steal it. So the fact of the matter is, is that we have had very, very close situations, at least one with Stacey Abrams, who should have become the first black female governor in the U.S., She may yet become the first black female vice presidential pick on a prominent political ticket. That may happen. We'll have to see in the coming months. But we have nine female governors in America, in the U.S. right now. Six of them are Democrats and three of them are Republicans. The Democrats are Kate Brown in Oregon. Michelle Lujan Grisham of New Mexico. Grisham of New Mexico. Laura Kelly of Kansas. Janet Mills of Maine. Gina Raimondo of Rhode Island. And Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan. And the three Republican governors, Kay Ivey of Alabama, Christy Nome of South Dakota, and Kim Reynolds of Iowa. Now, in these situations, Kate Brown, over the weekend, did a really great thing. She donated believe it was about 400 ventilators, between 100 and 450 ventilators to New York State, saying, citing that she did not need the ventilators that she had. They were excess. Here are the ventilators for you. You can have these. I believe it was between 150 and 450 ventilators. So... That was leadership. And Kate Brown, the governor of Oregon, has done a very good job. She has been one of the best governors in the country. And there have been some male governors that have been very good as well. I think that her neighbor to the north there in Washington State, Governor Jay Inslee, who ran for the Democratic presidential nomination last year has been very good as well. Jay Inslee up in Washington state. I also think that of course, uh, Andrew Cuomo in New York has been very good. I've had some issues with Cuomo because quite frankly, some of the very people that he is now advocating for, or at least pleading to Trump about have been hurt by his policies where he has closed hospitals. That's right. Governor Andrew Cuomo has actually done that has closed hospitals, has cut back on Medicaid spending. 
in New York State. That never gets brought up, of course, conveniently omitted for these times. But there's plenty of stories that you can read online about all of that. Then you have the other governors on that list that I've read out. And as I said earlier, New Mexico has a rich tradition of female governors. Susana Martinez, um, as well, has been a governor of New Mexico and several others as well. Michelle Lujan Grisham is currently the governor of New Mexico. We've recently had Laura Kelly in Kansas join um, as a female governor. She has been the first, she is the now presently the first female governor of Kansas. Janet Mills in Maine, and we've got, as I said, the others there. Gretchen Whitmer, governor of Michigan. Of course, before that, it was the terrible, toxic Rick Snyder, who really did, uh, really, in my view, is the one that caused that Flint water crisis. Although Gretchen Whitmer has had some issues with that too. She had not turned on the water until recently, uh, you know, because of this crisis, and the residents were demanding it demanding it of Michigan. So, you know, so there's some ups and downs. I'm not saying that they're not, you know. I mean, I think Kay Ivey, the Republican governor of Alabama, she has done a disastrous job, a disastrous job, as has Kim Reynolds of Iowa, who insists that it is okay to go out and mingle. You can mingle in groups of 10. Don't, Don't be out there with more than 10 people. That's Kim Reynolds, folks, in Iowa right now. Oh, I think it's okay. You know, uh, Dr. Fauci doesn't have the proper guidelines. There's information that we have that he doesn't have. You know, the guy has been studying viruses for over 50 years, by the way. So, you know, excuse me, Governor Reynolds, that he somehow does not have the information that you have in Iowa that somehow, you know, he doesn't really have the full knowledge. Can I get back to Brian Kemp for a moment? The guy that stole the governorship from Stacey Abrams, who would have been the first black female governor. Brian Kemp was out there at a press conference last week where he said out loud, publicly, before cameras, that he didn't know, he and his doctor, <laughs> he and his doctor, medical officer, in that administration of his, did not know that you could catch coronavirus just by breathing the air and being out near people who were breathing into the air and didn't realize that you couldn't, (laughs) you can't make this up. He said he didn't realize. (laughs) I mean, how do you get through a day? How does anyone get through a day and call themselves Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, how could you say that you didn't know about things that we have known for weeks upon weeks? 
How can you say that asymptomatic people could spread the coronavirus? I mean, I want to just get that correct. Let me repeat that. And let me have it corrected. I'm correcting what I said a few moments ago. But I want to repeat now what I just said. The Georgia governor, Brian Kemp, said out loud to cameras, to the world, that he did not know that asymptomatic people could spread the coronavirus. Let that sink in for a moment. I'm speaking to you at what I know is an increasingly challenging time. A time of disruption in the life of our country. A disruption that has brought grief to some, financial difficulties to many, and enormous changes to the daily lives of us all. I want to thank everyone on the NHS frontline, as well as care workers and those carrying out essential roles who selflessly continue their day-to-day duties outside the home in support of us all. I'm sure the nation will join me in assuring you that what you do is appreciated and every hour of your hard work brings us closer to a return to more normal times. I also want to thank those of you who are staying at home, thereby helping to protect the vulnerable and sparing many families the pain already felt by those who have lost loved ones. That was the Queen of England and of the United Kingdom. The Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth II. And that was a speech that she actually gave, I believe, on Thursday of last week, but it was aired for the first time publicly on British television yesterday. Yesterday evening, yesterday night, last night in the UK. And it was a very good speech. It was just over four minutes long. I played just about a minute or so of it. And that's real leadership. And I have not heard any, any of the male governors, except maybe one or two of them, Give such an earnest, such a confident, reassuring, resolute, and quite frankly, and you didn't hear all of it there, inspiring speech. We know that Donald Trump couldn't give a speech like that. We know that Kay Ivey, couldn't give a speech like that. 
We know that Kim Reynolds, the governor of Iowa, couldn't give a speech like that. So this is not really all about gender. It's really about the systems that govern us, patriarchy. And patriarchy is a system that is centered in the dominance and primacy and control of men, of males, by males, over everything and everyone, including other males and obviously females. And when you have patriarchy, everything is informed for the maintenance and preservation of that system, which means the oppression of women, of the female gender, the oppression of anyone who gets in the way of patriarchy. The systemic ramifications of that are enormous. The ramifications of that are enormous. And this toxic masculinity that comes out of that really damages leadership, really affects the way that some men lead. We're seeing this all over the world at the moment. We are seeing this with these hard right authoritarian regimes, these dictatorships that are going on all over the world, whether it's Viktor Orban in Hungary, whether it is Duterte in the Philippines, whether it is Vladimir Putin in Russia, whether it is MBS in Saudi Arabia, whether it is, I mean, I can just keep going on and on and on and on. Narendra Modi in India, whether it is Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil, and of course, whether it is Donald Trump here in the United States. I've left out quite a few others. President Xi in China. And the issue I have with these people is that obviously the ramifications of what they're doing is hurting and killing millions of people in their countries. And we're seeing that now here in the US with this rising death toll, which is going to well, again, I'm trying to stay away from numbers, but this death toll here in the U.S. I think is going to make Italy look like a walk in the park. And it's really disturbing and disgusting to even speak like that because the loss of life in Italy, in Spain, in any part of the world is heartbreaking to me. The other thing, I mean, their policies are destructive and their masculinity 
is toxic in almost all of these situations. It's inevitable that their toxic masculinity is contributing to these devastating policies, postures, and situations that are crippling millions of people in their countries. I don't think there can be any doubt about it. We're seeing a malignant narcissist right here. Right here. We are seeing... We're seeing it up close and personal. And it cannot be declared otherwise. And I am saying, my point is that you will not get this kind of toxicity from women in leadership. You may get stonewalling. You may get what I would call stubbornness. You may get arrogance to a degree. You may get indifference. Sometimes I look at Kay Ivey. I'm looking at you down there in Alabama. And I'm looking also at you, Kim Reynolds, Kim Reynolds in Iowa. You may get those things, but you will not get this toxic behavior. I think, though, you will get behavior that does contribute to some very evil things being done. We've seen what's happened in Alabama this year. We had an innocent young man, innocent African-American man, executed by Kay Ivey. And she hastened his execution. So, this is about systems. Gender factors in. But systems are the biggest thing. And the system of patriarchy is why. You are seeing what you're seeing, I think. In a lot of these states. The ideologies, the policies, the systems. But patriarchy provide presides it doesn't provide it doesn't provide well it maybe provides for them but it presides over all of this and these things are not divorced from one another i think of these great leaders that we've had in the past and great leaders that we have now who are female who are women who are female i think of people like harriet tubman i think of people like shirley chisholm i think of people like eleanor roosevelt I think of people like Barbara Jordan. Are you telling me that they would not do a good job or wouldn't do a better job than a lot of the men who are leading countries and leading states in this country right now? Do you not think 
that Harriet Tubman would do a better job than Kay Ivey if Harriet Tubman was the governor of Alabama right now? Do you not think that Eleanor Roosevelt would do a better job right now than Donald Trump would? Do you not think that Shirley Chisholm would do a better job right now than Donald Trump would? I mean, I guess that's a low bar, a very low bar. But regardless of where those four individuals that I just mentioned, those four women who were outstanding leaders, no matter where they lead, they would lead and they would lead well. I mean, we have people right now, right now, women in Congress who are leading right now and I think would be excellent leaders, whether as governors, whether as president of the United States, although one of them is too young to run. She'll have to wait at least another, what, four or eight years. I think it's going to be eight years. But there are people here domestically in the United States who I think would do a fantastic job, not just through this crisis that we're going through this pandemic, but in any situation you've got... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She has to wait a few years to run for president, though. And I am confident that she will do so when the time comes. Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, I think that she has done well during this crisis. I've disagreed with some of her policies and some of her, um, uh, her postures in certain situations. But she has been, I think, overall, a good speaker and a good leader and an important one. Senator Elizabeth Warren, of course, we know about her running for president. She should have done a whole lot better than she did. And I definitely do think that there is still, I know there is, not in that about me thinking about it, there's still so much misogyny and sexism that runs rampant through the United States and through the planet. Elon Omar, Representative Elon Omar out of Minnesota, Rashida Tlaib, congresswoman out of her district there in Michigan. Ayanna Presley, out of her district in Massachusetts. And of course, Katie Porter, out of Orange County in California. All of whom have done, they've all done great jobs. Katie Porter, I think in particular, has done a really good job out front. And so has every one of the people I've mentioned. I think AOC has been terrific. And I think that she will become president of this country one of these days. And I think that we should also get away from the idea that just because someone is a certain gender or a certain race or they're white or they're, you know, that you vote for them based on that. We have to vote for people based on the kinds of individuals that they are the kind of leaders that we entrusted them to be, the kinds of track records that they have, and also, also, more importantly, the kinds of things that they stand for, the policies. 
always dictate where votes should go. And I think that's where it should always be. And I also think that we've got some terrific leaders globally. Angela Merkel in Germany, the chancellor there, she's been chancellor there now for what? At least 10 years, if not more. She's going to step down from the chancellor's uh, chancellorship, I think next year, 2021. And she will remain in politics, but she will step down as the chancellor. And I think that there should be another woman in her place. I think Merkel has done a terrific job, quite a balancing act. Um, I mean, she's not been perfect. She, uh, no leader is. But Merkel's done well. I think overall, if I had to grade her, I'd give her a B. Now, maybe there are people in Germany who would vehemently disagree with me on where um, Merkel should be ranked or graded. But I think that she has shown a lot of compassion here, not just with this crisis and, and letting in refugees, but throughout these crises that there have been. She let in about three or four million refugees, uh, political refugees from previous situations, like a year or two ago. Displaced from civil wars. I think she's done a very good job. She's shown compassion. Jacinda Ardern, I think one of the most important things about a leader is to be able to show compassion. And I don't know that a lot of male leaders are doing that or have done that. There have been exceptions. But Jacinda Ardern in New Zealand has shown a lot of compassion, but great leadership as part of that and beyond that. She's been someone who has brought people together after what happened in Christchurch, that terrorist attack there. Last year, just over a year ago now, in New Zealand, she's brought people together. She's got rid of all of these guns in New Zealand. She's banned them outright. And beyond that, she's provided great further leadership in other areas. And she's doing it again now. Jacinda Ardern has been a very good leader for New Zealand. Katrine Jacobsdottir of Iceland has been leading very well. And recently, just last year, late last year, actually it was last month, excuse me, December of last year, Sanna Marin became the first, I think, first Finland prime minister, the first female prime minister in Finland, I'm sorry. And she has an all-female cabinet. In Sweden, there's a majority female cabinet now and has been for a few years. They troll, actually. The climate minister in Sweden back in 2017 trolled Donald Trump. And she tweeted out a photo of herself signing a climate accord, which was really great for Sweden. It was tremendous. They got rid of all this, all these toxic things and outlawed all these things, outlawed fossil fuels, outlawed all this stuff. Really good forward thinking Sweden. And all these Scandinavian countries usually are because they model themselves on socialism and democratic socialism specifically. And those models have worked, patriarchy or not. And democratic socialism tends to challenge patriarchy to a degree. And it's more of a system that aims for egalitarianism rather than something else. Now, there's patriarchy that's always there. But what I'm saying is, is that democratic socialism is something that 
fosters for a more egalitarian society overall. And the distribution of resources and the distribution of wealth is a leveling out process amongst everybody so that people are all enriched in the same way and they all cooperate together to achieve that enrichment. And it's all along the lines also of John Maynard Keynesian economics. And that is all about the cooperative model of people building together and moving together to achieve together and get the greatest good for the whole group economically. And that's the kind of thing that thrives. And we're seeing that in all of these Scandinavian countries where the healthcare is excellent, where the rates of death are, are lower, where the rates of coronavirus are lower. Now, one thing about Sweden, I can say, at least, is that the rate of rape, though, has gone up in Sweden. So when I say that patriarchy, patriarchy does not go away. That is still part of that huge problem. And I'm not saying that any of these Scandinavian countries don't have issues. They certainly do. I'm simply saying that leadership and outcomes tend to be better, not only, not only with the system of, say, democratic socialism, but with more female leaders in the government. And it's proving to be true in Finland. Sanna Marin, who became the prime minister of Finland, the first female prime minister, certainly the youngest female prime minister, if not the first female prime minister, she is like 34 years old. She's born, I mean, this makes me feel ancient. She's born in 1980-something. She's born in the 1980s. I mean, I mean, that's just, <laughs> but she is the prime minister of Finland and she has an all-female cabinet. And I think that's going to stand Finland in good stead. And again, I apologize for what might sound like patronizing. Because that's not what my intent is at all. And that's not the way I feel about this. We have great leaders who are female. And I want to see more of them. I want to see more of them. We have great leaders, climate leaders, Vanessa Nakate in the African continent, out of Uganda. She's a young, and she's young, which is really promising for the future. I mean, all of the women I've mentioned today, it's not about age, but I'm just saying for the future leadership, it's good to see people coming up who get it. Greta Thunberg is also someone who gets it. She gets a lot more of the attention than Vanessa Nakate does. But I'm telling you, Vanessa Nakate is one of the great leaders. And Greta Thunberg is not 20 yet. And by the way, she had come down with coronavirus, I think, or had symptoms of it. So she has been isolating, self-isolating. So I wish her well. I wish everybody all the very best people going through these very difficult times who have this virus. Please do stay home if you have a home to stay home in 
and it's safe for you to stay there. And for everyone, please be careful. Please practice physical distancing. Do not go out if you, unless you absolutely have to. Do exercise indoors if you can. That'd be best. But get some fresh air at some point during a day, at least if, if you have to. I think it's important to, though. I just want to say thank you very much indeed for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. <laughs>